Simmons fly ball shallow left back is Cosmo. He'll take it. He'll call. Oh, it's gonna drop. It falls. Miscommunication. And the bases are loaded, and Box can't believe it. They're calling it an infield fly rule. You cannot call that no, an infield no fly rule. No way. Too deep. He wasn't camped. Welcome into Infield Fly, guys. This is lucky number 13th episode. I'm Ben, joined as always by Big Rochelle. Uh, it is eight, 8 o'clock Friday night, living it up, doing a podcast. We're out here grinding for you guys tonight. Uh, it's January 18th. We got some stuff to talk about tonight. We got the NFL Championship, Conference Championship game Sunday. We got college hoops to talk about. We got the Vols hiring former quarterbacks back on the staff. We got some MLB signings. Not named Peyton Manning. Lots of stuff to dive into. Uh, Blake, how you doing tonight, man? Uh, Sorry about that. I'm good. Uh, I worked yesterday and today. I'm starting my long weekend, so I'm probably going to be pretty excited on this podcast. Good deal, good deal. Um, before we dive on in, I just want to thank everybody for following us on social media. And I've been getting a lot of messages from people wanting to be on the show. If you are interested in joining us next week, we are going to try out having some guests on. So if you're listening to this and you're thinking, hey, I'd like to, you know, throw in my two cents, message us on Facebook. I'm going to post something. You can leave a comment, what you want to talk about, and we will get you on. So that's we're going to experiment with that next week, probably. Real quick, if you're interested in talking with us to make our lives a million times easier, please create a Gmail account. Yes, that would be that would make it go so much smoother. If you make a um, Gmail, we can just invite you to our Google Hangout that we use, and that will be that will be the best way. So if you don't have a Gmail, make one. It's free. So there's yep. no reason not to. Um, but with that said, we're going to dive right in. Um, first, first on the docket today, MLB talks. Of course, not much going on still. Um, New York Mets picked up Jed Lowry. Um, he hit 267 with 23 dingers and 99 RBIs for the A's last year. I think he's going to mainly probably play third for them since they have Cano and Rosario at the middle spots. But he is he's going to be uh, all over the diamond for them, most likely, playing all over the place. Um, going bring to be bringing a lot of gloves to the ballpark on a daily basis. The Mets have been making lots of moves, getting – they may be the most uh, active team, one of the most active teams this Aside winter. Aside from the Mariners. Yeah, yeah, who they've dealt with some. Um, and then across town, the Yankees signed DJ LeMayhew, which was surprising to me. Uh, was that surprising signing to you? Right, yeah, it was because I really thought they were all in on Machado, and I think they were, but uh, I thought they were going to get him. So this kind of points the different direction as far as the Machado sweepstakes. As far as LeMahieu goes, uh, 
great, great contact hitter, led the NL in hitting in 2016. Great glove. Um, I think, I don't know if it was Cashman or who, but they already told him, bring a bunch of gloves because he's going to be yeah, playing I was just all about to over say the, that, yeah. yeah, he's going to be playing all over the diamond. Everybody's kind of looking for these, uh, these uh, super utility Marwin Gonzalez, Ben Zobris types now. And LeMahieu and Lowry are, are filling those positions for the Mets and Yankees. Uh, and then uh, Yankees weren't done there. They made their great bullpen even better by signing Adam Ottavino over from the Rockies. Ottavino, owner of a nasty slider, and I don't have his stats, but he had a very solid year last year. Um, he's a Brooklyn native. Uh, it was kind of a homecoming of sorts for him. Famous for saying he could strike out Babe Ruth. Yeah. Now he will pitch in the same uniform as Babe Ruth. So we'll see if he can strike out Babe Ruth's uh, plaque in center field. So, yep. and then Ben, the third point I put on there, uh, this made me really happy. Um, so that's why I'm kind of taking it from you. Go Bob for Ross it. Just announced, I believe today, that he is going to retire from NBC. Hallelujah. I am one person who cannot stand Bob Costas. I didn't know him when he was calling uh, a lot of baseball oh. games in the 90s. So I only know the bad Bob Costas, and that's the one who's always trying to put politics into sports on Sunday night football. So thank goodness he's gone. Good riddance. Don't have to hear from him again. So goodbye. Okay, yeah. So I read that. When you put that in there, I read that completely differently because you said Bob Costas retires. Thank you. I thought that you were thanking Bob Costas for being such an amazing broadcaster. <laughs> nope, nope, nope. Okay, Look, he, and he probably really was. He, he, is, probably he was. was. He, I mean, he's called World Series, Super Bowls, Olympics, you name it. The guy's called right. it. He's been one and of he, the best in the business. So you really just threw me for a loop right there. <laughs> right, and, and I'm not saying his talent's not there, you know, that he wasn't a great broadcaster. But like I said, when he was calling baseball was before, kind of before our time. Um, but then when he they started putting him on Sunday Night Football and he wanted to always bring in some kind of political issue and what he thought about it, I didn't want that. I, and that's why it caused me to hate him. So, good riddance. Come back. So, bye. Bye, Bob. Sorry to let you down there, Ben. Not, I mean, I don't, I don't listen to broadcasters that much, but that just kind of like I didn't read it like that when you put it in the right, notes. I guess I read it the other way. <laughs> I mean, like, even if we put a comma, there's no way for you to know kind of how I would take that. No, not really. But, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't have any hard feelings toward Bob Costas. I feel like he was pretty legendary in the booth, to be honest. So. Uh, yeah, you kind of threw me there, <laughs> like I'm kind of thrown shook. off. Ben is shook right now. I am a little bit shook, to be honest. Uh, I was not expecting that <laughs> when you said no, good riddance. I was like, okay, here, I'll try to I'll try to straighten you out a little bit. So, like with the Yankees signing out of Eno, they have the best bullpen in all of baseball. Oh yeah, um, it's the rich get richer all over again. Getting Lemayhew, like we said, probably knocks them out of the Machado series. Yeah. Um, still Which, don't know where they're go where he's going. Now, there has been a lot of steam pickup that both him and Harper could end up in Philadelphia. I don't think it's going to happen. Um, I think I they'll did get make the bold prediction that Machado would sign before this podcast, so I was wrong on that one. Well, what we should have done is just waited until to make a podcast till after he signed, then you would have been right. Well, at this rate, we <laughs> wouldn't make one until opening day. Right. 
Um, but yeah, so I had a cool little note on Ottavino that I, I put down. Um, I read it off cut four. His family has run a, a stone uh, laying or some type of stone business in New York City for over 100 years. They've worked on the, at the University of Columbia and they've worked on the Statue of Liberty. I thought that was kind of neat. Like he, he is a New Yorker. He lives right. there in the off season, was born and raised there. So kind of a homecoming, but yeah, his, he makes that pin. I mean, it was already amazing. So I mean, when you're going out of Vino to Batances. Dylan Batances to Zach Britton to Araldus Chapman, yeah. the starter got to go five innings. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. And then it's lights out after that. Like, and that's not to mention, you know, they got some other quality arms in that pen. Yep. So. Chad Green. Right. So, yeah. oh, the name was slipping me. That's why I didn't say it. But yeah, Chad Green is who I was thinking of. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. It's and they've eat up the reliever market now. All that's really left out there is, you know, Kimbrell. And we talked Kimbrell. we mentioned it off pod off the podcast, but uh Cody Allen signing with the Angels uh, yep. for a one year yep. deal. I was kinda hoping the Braves would take a flyer on him. He wanted to go somewhere where he would close, I think, and he he will definitely close you. in uh, L.A. Which he would probably. Right. You think he would have closed for Atlanta? Probably. Mm. Or Vizcaino still. I, I guess. think it. I think it or depends Minter. on Vizcaino's health because I think they believe Vizcaino is their closer. Yeah. Um, and then even after that, I I, I think Mentor would get the next shot just because yeah. he had done it there before. Yeah. So. But yeah, L.A. He'll definitely close down there. So. Yeah. So now we're just waiting for Kimbrel, and that really will 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 be the end of the top end relievers that are out there. And then the rest of the teams are just going to have to settle for the scraps. You know, with Brock being out there, um, not really. I mean, after that, I don't really know of any key names that are available in the reliever market. So, mm, not off the top of my head, I don't either. Right. But um, I mean, that pretty much wraps the MLB. So. Uh, we're going to take like just a quick little break, and then when we get back, we're going to talk a lot about the NFL with conference championship games being Sunday. Should be some good matchups, so hang with us, and we'll be right back. Welcome back into Infield Fly, guys. We're going to hit up a little NFL talk real quick. We got uh, uh, some conference championship games going on Sunday. Chiefs are hosting the Pats. Saints hosting the Eagles. Before we dive into that, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, one kind of important offensive coordinator hire. If you're a Titans fan, um, the Jags hired DeFilippo, fired by the Vikings, come over to be their O.C., I think that's a really good hire. Um, I had him named as a guy the Titans should look into. Um, and I think it's a good hire for a couple reasons. One being, I think he's a pretty decent offensive coordinator. And the other being, if they're trying to get a, uh, if they're trying to get a new quarterback next year, which most people think they are, um, Nick Foles might follow his old quarterback coach on down to Jacksonville. 
Um, Foles is a guy that uh, he has an option with the Eagles that they can pick up next year, but he can buy it out for $2 million, um, which I, that's likely to happen. I mean, the Eagles are going to pick that up if they can make $2 million out of it. Um, but he, he prioritizes a good fit in places. Um, and, and rejoining your old quarterback coach certainly, certainly qualifies as a good fit. Um, what do you think about all that going down in Jacksonville? Yeah. So, you know, I like the hire for the Jags. I don't like it as a Titans fan. Um, cause that, like you said, that was a, a guy that was, I guess on the Titans radar somewhat. Um, but as far as falls to Jacksonville, uh, I don't know. I I know he was his old quarterback coach, but I think more of the Nick Foles success has been Doug Peterson induced. Yeah. Uh, so I don't. I mean, even if Foles does go to Jacksonville, there's no way we're gonna. I don't think there's any way we're gonna see what we've seen with him in Philadelphia. No, I don't. Um, I don't. I don't either. But he's better than Bortles. Right, he is, and obviously Kessler and better than probably but, anybody else that they could get at this point. I think so, but at the same time, they're sitting there, I believe, at seventh in the draft. I think they're going to take a long, hard look at a quarterback there, depending on how, of course, how the rest of the top of the order falls out. Yeah. Because, um, I mean, I guess it's a consensus, but the number one quarterback prospect right now is from every – Haskins, and I would I would tend to agree with that initially um, as far as pro-style, pro-ready. Uh, but still, you know, they've got the Giants sitting in front of them, I think one pick ahead of them. So they've got at least one quarterback needy team already in front of them. So maybe yeah. they do take the Foles route, play it out. They've got a lot of talent still on that defense. They've got some weapons on the offense. I think they could afford to get another receiver. I think if they're trying to compete now, Foles is their best option. Because right. There's no quarterback in this draft that's – I don't think – maybe – in long term, better, but at this point in time, there's no quarterback in the draft better than Foles. So if they're trying right, to right. compete now, yeah, and that just comes down to like their their philosophy of where they think their team stands. And if it were me personally, I would probably lean on the side of drafting a quarterback, just because yep. you know what Nick Foles is going to give you right now. But how much longer of that are you going to get? Is it worth, you know? whatever X amount of dollars it is and however many years it's going to be, I'd probably lean towards the draft and they may do both. They may sign foals and they may take a guy in the middle round or something and take a flyer yeah. on him. Um, we don't, we don't know what their plans are there. Uh, but I, I know a lot of people are going to, if a lot of people are going to come out and take this, you know, with the flip going to Jacksonville is, well, this is, means that's where foals going. I wouldn't buy no guarantee. Just yeah. you're right. Um, because, I mean, Foles could still come back to Philly if that's what he wanted to do. I think he'll have plenty of suitors, though. I I would honestly think Denver would be Denver a better fit for him. They'll be in on him for sure. Right. Um, so, we'll see. I would definitely like for Foles to go to Denver because, obviously, I want the worst possible situation for Jacksonville to happen where they have to, you know, maybe reach for a guy in the draft that they don't really love. So, that would be what I want as a Titans fan. Um well, one other thing about Foles, like I talked about that option. I'm, the Eagles are going to pick that up because they can make $2 million on it. Right. I, I think that's that's a foregone conclusion. But another thing that they could do with him is 
I, I don't know that they will, but they could franchise tag him and try and explore trade options. Now, I don't think that they would tag him unless they knew that somebody was going to trade for him. But if if they get um, any teams, you know, interested in trading for Foles, they could franchise tag him and trade him. You're right. I think that would have a lot to do with who other their other free agents are. I don't have that list off the top of my head. Um, yeah, if they have some other higher ranking guys, I think they're probably going to save that franchise for them. Yeah. Um, but I mean, he's been the, I wouldn't say the main or the main key to this team, but he's been, you know, right there at the top for the reason that they won the Super Bowl last year and had a nice little run towards the end of the year here. So for sure, for sure. Um, other offensive coordinator news, the Titans are still looking for one. I haven't, um, I haven't heard a lot of chatter at all about any type of interviews or candidates or anything it's been fairly quiet as far as i know uh, right know and that's anything? kind of the robinson way you know he plays his cards real close to the chest yeah and they're gonna take their time and and make the right hire in a critical year for for marcus so um steve sarkeesian leaving the falcons going back to alabama alabama with a lot of uh, a lot of coaching turnover um, in this offseason with how many coaches have left them since the national championship? Like five since the national championship uh, game? I think. Since the, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's I more than that. I think I they are having a complete assistant staff turnover. Um, I'll look it up here real quick, but I'm almost positive that they have well, nine people that have left. Loxley left for Maryland. Um, who else has left? Tosh, uh, the Tosh Lupio guy, he left. He left. The Browns. Yep. Um, the, the quarterback coach left, right? Yep. He, he knows, yeah. He yeah, knows. Yeah, the whole story about Miami. him he kind of ducking out. Um, they, I can't even think of them all, that, but I know that there's been a lot. There's been a lot. But, but Saban's going to, you know, it, it's always – planned with him so he's gonna take his time replacing everybody there's not gonna be any type of rush uh but yeah sarkeesian going back there i mean that that's a good good hire he's a good offensive mind um all right so i've got it pulled up here on 24 7 an article that was written two days ago um so they're saying right now there's only been four changes from last year's staff so so if you you know you put together they had six changes last year and then four so far this year that number still does not feel right to me that's ten total that's like that's your maximum amount of assistance so within a year that is a complete turnover of staff yeah. so maybe that's kind of what I was thinking of in right. in one year's time still that's a lot of turnover for for a college staff right it is and you know. Could it potentially affect them recruiting? I don't think it's going to affect them dramatically, but there is a guy, you know, this is kind of un NFL related, but we, we won't probably wouldn't talk about it anyway. But uh, there, there's a recruit that Tennessee's really high on who, uh, you know, some people are talking that losing the Tosh Lupoa guy, however you say his name, uh, has negatively affected his recruiting to Alabama. So, 
we'll see where that goes. Um, but yeah, that's a, that's a lot of turnover for Alabama. But if any if any coach in college football can handle it, saving, saving, yeah, because yeah. I mean he has his hand in every part of that team, so it's not like it's gonna nothing's gonna change dramatically because yeah. an assistant leaves. So yeah, and kind of the uh, big news in the NFL. Um, Kyler Murray, uh, we heard the whole saga last week about him asking the A's for $15 million and the MLB was playing around with rules. Um, he officially declared for the NFL draft on Monday. So he is going to the NFL. Um, his his uh, pre-combine workouts and all that, are he won't be able to attend spring training, and I'm pretty sure no NFL team is going to want a rookie quarterback dabbling in baseball with the learning curve there. So Murray choose a football for now. Um, and honestly, people talk about the baseball money, but it takes a long time to earn that baseball money. You, mm -hmm. you know, he's going to have to grind it out in the minor leagues for a couple few years and, and maybe he makes it to the bigs. Maybe he doesn't, but if he goes football and is drafted in the first round, he stands to make quite a bit as an NFL quarterback. And honestly, there's not been people, people uh, talk about safety. There's never been a safer time to be an NFL quarterback than right now. Right. Yeah. I mean, you talked about the rule, you know, not really, it's more of a manipulation of the rule yeah. um, that the A's are going to do. So the guy who initially tweeted out worded it so poorly, um, he had worded it as if the MLB was changing the rule, but really what was going to happen were the A's were going to place Kyler Murray on the 40-man roster immediately. Then they could give him a big league contract, and then they could give him X amount of dollars that they wanted to. Um, and then the MLB – and what the MLB did to kind of go with that is say, we just agree that this wasn't agreed upon before he was drafted. Obviously, yeah. the whole – fallout with the Braves was and every MLB team does it if, if there's a fan of any MLB team that's successful that tells you they don't do it they're lying but they meet underneath the table and they say we're going to give you this but you're going to sign on paper for this um, and they give them extra money before their draft to kind of help direct where a player is going to end up um, so the MLB said that that's not what happened here we're trying to make our sport better by get a dynamic athlete and you know, initially I wasn't for it. I thought it was kind of manipulation of the rule, which it was. But then I thought, you know, if baseball is really trying this hard to get the best athletes, then, you know, I, I, I can't really fault them for that. Right. So, and like you said, the money with football, he's going to get, I believe the number was last year, the 32nd overall pick got something like $7 million guaranteed, which yeah. is what he about what he signed for. Um, so if he's taken in the first round, which uh, by all I accounts, it's things like stretch. I wouldn't say it's a stretch, but you know, it's probably it has a good chance of happening. By all accounts, it sounds like he he will be right. And uh, so I mean, he's going to get that much money initially. And the last kind of thought I had on this was, if you're going to start at one or the other, and maybe you want to make the change later on or add the thing later on you got to start at quarterback, right? Yes, yeah. You've got to that. get that learning curve over with. You've got to understand your team's offense. And once you get comfortable, ever play both at the same time. But let's say 
he wasn't performing well and he couldn't get a second contract, then he could then turn to baseball. Yeah. Not saying that baseball is easier, but it's a more natural sport where you really you just don't have to think as much in some parts of the game. Right. Yeah. You just perform. My thing I was talking to I can't remember who it was, but they they asked me, you know, what I thought about it. Um I honestly think in Murray's heart, he really wants to play football. I, I think he wants to prove a lot of people that, that have doubts about him wrong. And, and I, I really think he truly has a strong desire to play football. Um, and, and he probably has a strong desire to play baseball too. But I think he really, really just inside of him, he really wants to prove the naysayers wrong and play football. And, but, I mean, kudos to the kid for putting himself in a position that uh, not many people have ever been in before. And, and uh, it's, it, you can only dream of something that, that perfect, really. So right. a lot and of I props mean, to him. There's a reason they say follow your heart, right? So yep. his heart was telling him football. And any, I'm sure anyone can relate to this, but when you do something that doesn't follow your heart, the regret that you feel later is some of the worst regret that you will ever feel in your entire life. Mm-hmm. So he follows his heart knowing that in the end, he could potentially, you know, switch to baseball. Football doesn't work out, but he won't have that regret that's there because his heart was saying football all along. Right. So, I hope it works out for him. I really do. I'm really yeah, going to succeed. And like I said, he could cause a lot of drama. I know you don't think it's going to happen, but if the, if the Cardinals fall in love with him and want him at number one, you want to talk about adding more fuel to the to the Murray drama? He could be one of the most talked about multi multi sport players. Granted, he didn't play both, but he could be one of the most talked about multi sport players ever. Yeah, just kind of you know buzz that he's created. Yep, for sure, for sure. Um, moving on from some of the more uh, business side of the sport to the actual games themselves, we got playoffs, conference championships. Um, first game up, Patriots at the Chiefs. I think that's the first game Sunday, isn't it? Uh, no, it's, it's no, it's Saints. the second game. But we're going to talk about AFC first um, <laughs> because that's the way it was listed on the on the slides. So uh, I got you. Patriots Chiefs, um, a rematch of a regular season game with, that the Patriots won, forty three to forty, um, should be should be a good game. Uh, some of the keys that I'm looking at this week, um, the Chiefs front seven versus the Patriots two running backs, uh, Sony Michelle and James White. Absolutely ran all over the Chargers last week. Uh, Chargers did not show up at all. I thought they'd actually come into New England and give them a game. I don't know what their game plan was. It wasn't good. Putting a def- not putting a defense on the field against Tom Brady is an interesting strategy. Um, but they let they let Michelle run for like 130 yards and three touchdowns, and James White had 15 catches out of the backfield, which is just crazy amount. Um, but the Chiefs' run defense ranked 32nd last, dead last in the league. But it, they were pretty good against the Colts last week. They held Marlon Mack to only 40 yards, 
Um, they got some players on that side of like on their line. D Ford, Justin Houston, Chris Jones, all good there. Um, but obviously have had their struggles. So containing Sony Michelle will be a challenge. Um, a challenge they need to win if they want to win this game. And then as far as James White goes, uh, the Chiefs allowed a 109 passer rating on throws to backs out of the backfield. Um, in case you're not familiar with passer rating, that is not good. Uh, and, for the defense. For the yeah, defense. that is not good for the defense. And James White is uh, the best receiving back in the game. Um, I mean, he, he's been Tom Brady's go-to guy, their de facto number one receiver. Um, so stopping those two guys, that's the key for the Chiefs. Uh, wh- what are you kind of looking at in this game? Uh, so we had a question here, and I'll get to that here in a second. Okay. Pertain, pertaining to this game. Um, but this is the Patriots' eighth straight AFC championship. Yeah, game. that's crazy. Wow. Talk about a dynasty. Yeah, like you said, the – the Patriots, <clears throat> excuse me. The Patriots won forty-three to forty in Week Six. Um, it was, I believe, that was a Sunday night game. It was, and it was an old-fashioned awesome shootout with the old gun and the new gun coming in yep. with Mahomes. Um, so we were asked, do we think the Patriots are going to be able to get to Mahomes and like disrupt him how they did Rivers last week? So mm-hmm. if you watch much of the game, you know much about football last week. The Patriots kind of stole what the Ravens did good against the Chargers, and that was, you know, get to the quarterback. So they were running cover zero most of the game. What that means for those who don't know is they had no safety help over the top. It was straight man-to-man coverage on the tight ends and on the receivers. Yep. Everyone else was in the box either blitzing or playing some some kind of uh, zone. Like, Sorry. I'm trying to think. Quarterback contain. What I'm thinking of a certain word, but I can't. Anyway, they were playing some kind of zone or blitzing the quarterback. Um, so I don't think that's going to be their game plan this week. We, we don't know. It's Belichick. He can do whatever he wants, and it's probably going to yep. work. But I don't think that's going to work this week because you talk about the speed that this Chiefs team has. When you say Tyreek Hill's name, I mean, I, I that's speed. That That's Define what speed yeah. is. So I have I'm not gonna interrupt you uh but for just a second, but I have actually some numbers on that. Um so if they try and play man, it's gonna be it's gonna be rough because Mahomes actually uh his passer rating on the year when throwing to Tyreek Hill and man coverage was one hundred and thirty. And the max for passer rating is one fifty six point three, I think. So yeah. You're getting yeah. near perfect there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I, I don't think that's going to happen. I think they're going to mix in some kind of, I, I just don't think they're going to let Tyreek Hill beat them. Um, they're going to have to put in some kind of maybe double coverage, maybe, you know, they'll, they'll have to, because I, I don't think they have a corner. Gilmore is their best corner. I, I just don't think that they have a corner that can match up with Hill and especially speed. As far wise. as speed goes. Yeah. Now technique yeah. Gilmore has had an all pro season. But I just don't think that he can stay with Hill when he, you know, right. His go and you look at their other his... side; their corner is McCordy. So right. And you know, watch out for Kelsey too, because they can take away Hill, or they can try to. But then the Chiefs have another weapon right there, and yeah. tight end and Kelsey. So it's it's kind of it's going to be tough. But like we said, I've said all along: if I'm putting my money on anybody to game plan against anyone, it's going to be Belichick. Mm-hmm. I 
think they're going to be able to get some key stops against the Chiefs. Um, so this real quick, this is kind of what – so the question was, do we think the, the Patriots will be able to get to Mahomes? I don't know, but I do know that the Chiefs in the regular season had the fifth best O-line as far as sacks were concerned. Um, so they – and I don't know how much of that has to do with O-line or how much that has to do with Mahomes. Um, because the guy is just unbelievably athletic. And yeah. not only is he extremely athletic, but he makes such quick decisions. And yeah. he, he seems to know what he's going to do with the football before it's snapped. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying, like, he forces it or anything. But, like, he knows what the defense is going to do. And he makes adjustments almost immediately. Yeah. Um, so, I think it's kind of out of the Patriots' hands a little bit if they're going to get to him or not. Obviously, they're going to blitz him some. Um, but it's gonna ha- Mahomes is gonna have to m- pretty much make mistakes for the for the Patriots to be able to slow this thing down completely, yeah. which he did in the first game. So in that first game, I don't know if you watched it or remember it at all. Um, it was a it was a pretty epic game. Um, he missed some throws that he usually makes in that game in Foxborough. They'll obviously be at home this time, and he threw right. he threw two picks too, um, and they still scored forty points. Exactly. So I, I have some some doubts about the Patriots defense being able to stop him. Um, they might get some pressure on him because they've actually been a pretty good. Uh, they've been pretty good at getting to the quarterback this year. We saw it in the Chargers game. But like mm-hmm. you said, he gets the ball out so fast, uh, and he can he throw it like quickly. no one else. Yeah. So they may get to him, but he can still get rid of the ball with either right. hand can make exactly. throws on the run sideways that still get to yep. receivers. He's you know? really good against the blitz. And here's a surprising stat that I found. Um, and, and a lot of credit of this goes to Andy Reid for drawing up, drawing up plays for his young guy. Um, only 12%. So this is according to next gen stats. Only 12% of Mahomes' throws this season were into tight windows and that was the third lowest percentage in the league. And that seems so surprising because we see these highlight throws from him slinging it into mm-hmm. tight little spaces. But most of the time, Andy Reid draws up plays that have just enormous windows for all these weapons that Mahomes has. So that's really a credit to him and, and his offensive uh, play-calling abilities. I, I thought that was really a surprising stat when I saw that. Right. And, you know, we talked about this with the Chargers who kind of swing in the other direction here. Can the Chiefs get to Brady? Um, I mean, yeah. they the, the Pats, man, their offensive line last week was as good as I've seen in the league this year. Mm-hmm. You talk about Joey Boza and Ingram coming after Brady, and he basically could do whatever he wanted to do last week. Um, and the thing, like, they were getting there sometimes. They were getting there, but – they could James White was just sitting out there and he exactly I mean, he dumped and it off to him 15 times. Eventually you have to change what you're doing if you're the right. Chargers. I, and that comes back to scheme. Yep. The Patriots know what to do against they change their scheme to to the to match your weaknesses. Yep. So if you can rush the passer, but your linebackers aren't fast enough to cover a receiver or tight end, guess what? Gronk's getting the ball and James White's getting the ball. They just do what has to do to win. You know, yep. they have to run the ball 30 times to win, which they might have to do. They might have – you know, we you talked about the Chiefs' defense being so poor against the run collectively this year. Mm-hmm. Um, not not really much recently, but collectively throughout the year. 
maybe this is a game where the Patriots say, hey, we're going to have to eat up the clock, give Mahomes as few opportunities as possible to win this game. And if that's what they have to do and that's what they think they have to do, they're going to do it. Yep. Maybe I'm not saying they'll do it successfully, but I'm saying that's what they'll do if they have to do that. Yep. So, 100%. And that's what makes them so much different than any other team. Yep. You've got a bunch of these head coaches in college and in the NFL who are so egocentric to think that their way is going to work. Oh, I don't we care s- what the other team's doing. My way is going to work. Oh, Bill Belichick I mean, is the complete opposite. Yeah, I mean, we saw it last week in the game against the Chargers. How many times do teams have to see people play zone and get picked apart by Brady before they yep. realize you cannot play zone against the Patriots? Like uh, the Chargers thought that was going to work for real. I, uh, <laughs> that was dumb. Right. Um, but we'll see. Uh, how do you ultimately see this game playing out? I'm not betting against the Patriots. I'm just not. They're eight straight AFC Championship game. Yep. Um, I think, I think Mahomes is definitely. This isn't going to be his last time here. I don't. I don't foresee it to be. Yeah, but I think the Patriots are going to just do what it takes to win, and I think they're going to be able to. I think they're going to run the ball. I think they're going to control the clock. They're probably going to give up some points, but I think they, with Tom Brady and with what they can do on offense still, um, Edelman had a heck of a game last week as well. I Mm. think they're still going to be able to put up enough points and get enough stops. I think the Patriots pull it out 31-28 on the road and go to the Super Bowl. And back-to-back years. Gotcha. So Scott's question about the pressure getting to Mahomes, I took that in two ways. Um, will the Patriots be able to pressure him? And the other way I took that is will the pressure of playing on a conference in a conference championship get to Mahomes? And I think okay. no way. Just because he said the two no. young the two young guys with Mahomes and Goff was the way he worded it. I think no way, man. That guy is so cool under pressure, and Andy Reid right. teams up stuff perfect for him. Um, they're going to be in Arrowhead. That place is going to be rocking. Um, I, I think it's going to be a really good game. Um, I think Kansas City just has too many ways to move the ball. Uh, I think Andy Reid is about as good of an offensive caller as there is. Um, I, I think they just have too many ways to move the ball. I like the Chiefs to win another shootout. Um, get some revenge, 41-35 in this one. Um, I think All they'll right. find find a way to make a stop against Brady, and and uh, I just don't know if the Pats D hold up against all the weapons that the Chiefs have. I so, got you. We'll see. Should be a good one. Um, and as far as the NFC goes, we have another rematch, this time in the same location as before. The Rams heading to New Orleans the field is going to be littered with superstars. We have Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara, Mark Ingram, Drew Brees, Todd Gurley, Brandon Cooks, uh, Aaron Donald, Cam Jordan, Akeem Talib, Marcus Peters, Aaron Donald, Ndamukong Sue, Marshawn Lattimore, uh, superstars all over the place. Two of the best offensive minds in football in Sean Payton and Sean McVay. Uh, I fully expect this to be a great game. Um, the dome is going to be rocking. Uh, so just a couple of things I'm looking out for in this game is that Rams run game against the Saints front seven. Just like in the AFC, um, the Rams absolutely pounded. We talked about how good the Cowboys defense was against the run, and the Rams came in there and smacked them right in the mouth with Todd Gurley and C.J. Anderson. Yes, C.J. Anderson. 
ran all over Dallas. Um, New Orleans allowed the least yards per carry against the run during the regular season, but they will be without their defensive tackle this week. Torres Achilles last week against the Eagles. Um, and the Rams are a fan of the outside zone run. They ran it 280 times this year, most in the NFL. And the Saints' bread and butter is that they are super good against outside zone runs, only giving up 3.3 yards per carry, least in the NFL, with Cam Jordan out there making plays. So that's the big thing I'm looking for. Can Gurley and C.J. Anderson keep running the ball, take some pressure off of golf, keep Breeze off the field? What are you thinking about this game? Uh, it's going to be fun. Uh, yeah. That that stadium is going to be lit. Popping. You talk about a fan base that loves their team, and the Saints fan base is right up there with anybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, a ton of superstars. Superstars at the head coach. I'm talking, man. Sean McVay, I think he's the ne- – and a lot of NFL teams seem to think that he's the next one, but I think he is the next great NFL head coach. The guy's only 32. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, but his demeanor, the way he can scheme up his offense, like you said last week, they just ran all over the Cowboys against a good Cowboys defense with some really good linebackers. Yep. Um, uh, he, granted, it's easier when you have weapons like he has. Yeah. But, but I mean – no one's sitting here saying – I mean, we saw what Jared Goff was with Jeff Fisher. No one's saying that he's the next Drew Brees, but he's looked pretty solid this year under McVay. Yeah. Um, the Saints are three-point favorites. I mean, we didn't – I don't know if we talked about this with the Chiefs or not, but both nah. both home teams are three-point favorites. I think that's basically saying we're giving the home team three points if it were neutral field to be a push. Yeah. Um, I tend to agree. I think this one – this game is as equally – um, I guess matched up as the AFC. I'm excited to see the Saint or sorry, the Rams defense and see what they can do against Drew Brees, mm. who struggled a little bit down the stretch in the regular season. Um, I, I don't know if that was maybe just kind of coasting towards the finish line or what it may be. Um, the Saints didn't look on offense that great against the Eagles from what I got to see of the game. Yeah. Um it wasn't like they were putting up a ton of ton of yards and a ton of points. Um, they just happened to make some plays there towards the end to give them the game. Um, and in all actuality, the Eagles, if it wasn't for the interception through the hands of Jeffrey. Alshon Jeffrey, you know, the Eagles very well could have went, went down and won that game yep. right there. Um, so I just – I don't know if I trust the Saints right now. If that makes sense, it's hard to say that when they've won a playoff game. Yeah. Um, but I just – I'm really confident in what McVay can do. I'm confident yeah. in what he's, what he's done with Goff. I think Goff, not to the same effect as Mahomes, but I think he's very calm and collected. Like, he's very um, chill. Like, and I don't think the a- moment's going to be too big for him. Yeah, and that's such a credit to his coach for putting him in such a good spot to succeed. And that's right. the thing about McVay, like – Everybody thinks about offense with him, but he's so much more than that. I mean, this guy works tirelessly, and and he's a good motivator, and he just he does so much more than offense. Like you said, he he is really something else. And you you've seen the videos of people asking him 
All right, so you played the Ravens in week three. I'm making this up, obviously. Um, and there was a third and eight in the second quarter. But there was a penalty. What was the penalty and what play did you call? And he can just spit it out immediately. Yeah. Um, his knowledge for the game is is impeccable. But, you know, there's only so far coaching can go, right? Like, you can put mm-hmm. your guys in the right situation, but if they don't perform, then it means nothing. I think the Rams perform. I think they've got too much talent on that defense with Tlaib and Peters and Donald. And I had forgotten they even got Indomitian and Sue. Um, you're talking about just a nasty, nasty defense who hasn't really played to that potential completely this season, I don't think. Yeah. Um, I think it clicks this week. I think they're motivated. I think this dynasty that they're trying to build um, – over there in Los Angeles with the Rams, I think it's starting to grow. I think they realize they're a one win away. I think they're playing a little bit better right now, a little bit more consistent than the Saints are. Um, I hate to say it because, I mean, the Saints are so good at home, and you know that the NFL and a lot of NFL fans want to see Drew Brees in the Super Bowl again just because he's just a class act, he's one of the all-time greats. Um but with that being said, I like the Rams here. I think their defense shows up, gets enough stops, and I think Todd Gurley has a monster game. I think he's probably going to get – I think he's going to get close to about 150 on the ground here and with a couple touchdowns. I like the Saints here 30-24 sorry, the Rams here 30-24. Um, and I like the Pats and the Rams in the Super Bowl. Um, with the the old Bill Belichick and the new young Sean McVay, two different different types of coaches in a way, um, but two great ones for sure. Yep. So yeah, that's I mean that's one of the things I'm another thing I'm looking at in this game is that Rams defense versus the Saints um, big three, if you will, Ingram and Kamara and Michael Thomas mainly mainly Thomas and Kamara. So the last time you know Michael Thomas smoked the Rams for 12 catches and 211 yards. and Yeah, I don't think they're going to let him do that. Well, so everyone's been, you know, everyone's seen the Marcus Peters jawing that he's been doing lately. And I'm not even so sure he'll be covering Michael Thomas this time around. I I think Tlaib will be on him. Um, Because if I'm not mistaken, I think Tlaib was out in that first game. Yeah, Uh, Yeah, um, I believe so. So I think I think they'll put Tlaib on Thomas this time, um, and we'll see how it goes there. And then you know if they can get pressure on Breeze with Donald, um, he'll have Kamara to dump out there too for a quick release. Um, so we'll see how the the Rams can contain that. But ultimately, and maybe it's because of Drew Breeze, maybe it's because uh, the Saints are playing at home in the dome. I like them to find a way to get it done and get the win. Um, I got the Saints 30-28. Um, regardless of that, how these games end up playing out, I think they're going to be good ones. Um, some of the games haven't been too close. Last week, the Colts Last week we had didn't one really good show game. up. Yeah, between the Saints and the Eagles. Um, I, th- I think this week they're both going to be they're both going to be good. I hope so, anyway. But I got the Saints. I got a Saints Chiefs Super Bowl. So. So we've got we, we both going went opposite. Yeah. We both went two and two last week. I think we both went with the Cowboys and they end up losing. And I went with the Colts and you went with the Chargers. Chargers, that's Chargers. right. Yeah. So 
We'll see if so we get probably both go one and one this week if you know yeah it stays consistent here. Yep. Um, we'll see how it plays out, and we will see our Super Bowl fifty three matchup come Sunday night. Um, we're gonna take a quick break, and then when we get back, we're gonna talk some college sports. We got hoops and football to talk about a little bit. Um, so stick with us, and we will return. Welcome back in, guys. This is Enfield Fly. Um, I want to take a minute real quick. Um, there's a family that I'm real close with at church. Um, they're going through a little bit of a hard time right now um, with some health issues. I don't want to get into anything specifically, um, obviously, for privacy reasons. So if you guys could just keep them in your thoughts and prayers, that would be much appreciated. Um, they're a great family, and they've always been giving to others, and they've never worried about their self, only others. So um if you guys could just don't want to give any names or anything i just want i don't want to you know do that for as far as for privacy reasons but um just keep them in your thoughts and prayers if you don't mind um with that being said they're huge hockey fans um, they love the predators we had our buddy blake fulton send us in a question about the predators unfortunately i know nothing about hockey ben yeah. i know you know less than nothing about hockey so um, we can't really give you any information on any Predators trade rumors or who they should get at the deadline. I don't even know when the NHL trade deadline is. I still get the updates when the Preds win or lose. I get the final score updates on my phones just because. Um, but sorry, Fulton, we don't really know anything about hockey. Yeah, I would I divert that to Ben McGreevy and his Twitter account. I'm sure he's got plenty of content there for you. Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't, I don't want to talk about something that I, I – I'm definitely not qualified to talk about. So yeah. definitely going to defer to the other Ben, that one. Yeah. Ben McGreevy, we're giving you the, uh, the business there, man. So take care of that as you will. Yeah. Um, so something we do know a little bit about, and that'd be college football. Um, a little bit going on here, obviously the season being over the Vols making some moves. Uh, they go out and get a guy who probably should have been at Tennessee all along. D'Angelo Gibbs, who is the cousin, I believe, of Nigel Warrior. Yes. Um, he's a former four-star. Um, he's a defensive back from Georgia, obviously. Okay, so he's transferring to Tennessee. I, th I thought I read on 24-7 he's going to make the move to wide receiver. Yep. Um, we'll see how that kind of translates. He's going to have to sit out next year. Um, he's not trying to pull the Justin Fields, ooh, someone called me something, so I should be able to play immediately. Um, he's doing his due diligence, and he's going to sit out a year. Um, so, D'Angelo Gibbs to Tennessee. Also to Tennessee, this was big. Um, T. Martin, former national championship quarterback, T. Martin, after much desire for him to return on the coaching staff in different roles, he is back. We don't know what role he's in yet. We know he's going to be an assistant. He's already on the recruiting trail, so he's going to be obviously someone of importance. Um, and we were kind of asked, was this brought back for recruiting? I think, yeah, mainly. Yeah. 
I think so. Um, yep. And kind of, I'll, I'll give you my two cents, and then I'll get what what you, what you think here, Ben. Um, so I talked about a little bit when Jim Cheney was hired. He's not a recruiter. He is an offensive mind, and that's basically it. He doesn't have much of a desire to, nor is he really good at going out and getting players to come play for him. He's kind of delegated that off to other people. Um, so I think with that, then you look at the offensive staff, and there's not really any other great recruiters on the offensive side of the ball. You've got uh, Niedemeyer, Moose, as they call him. He's fantastic, but that's just one guy on the offensive side of the ball. Now, granted, defensive guys can recruit offensive guys, but it just makes more sense when you have an offensive coach recruit players that he's going to be coaching, right? Um, so I think that was important going into this offseason. Once they got Cheney was, we got to get someone else to recruit on offense I think T. Martin checks that box, and it just made a whole lot of sense. Um, you wanted to bring you're bringing back a guy to Tennessee. I don't know how much of an impact he's going to make as far as coaching goes. I know he's going to be an excellent recruiter. He's going to get you players. What is he going to coach? He's not going to be the offensive coordinator. He's not the head coach. I don't know how much of an impact he's going to have then as far as development of players. I mean, if he coaches running backs. I've heard from just about everyone that has ever written anything about college football. Coaching running backs is the easiest thing that you can do. Um, so what what are your thoughts there? What do you think? I mean, are you kind of thinking the same lines there with Tennessee bringing back to you? Or? Yeah, yeah. I think he's definitely being brought in um, to to be a uh, – I don't, I don't know what role he's going to fill in the staff, whether it's working with quarterbacks or what. But, yeah, recruiting is – is probably his his big thing. Was he was national recruiter of the year at one right. point, wasn't he? Yeah. For USC one year he was a twenty four seven national recruiter of the year. So yeah, I mean and and these kids now that are gonna be playing for UT, no, probably I mean, me and you are barely old enough to have relished in the national championship, but their parents and grandparents all did and and that's gonna that's gonna help a lot. So yeah, I think definitely um definitely bring being brought in for recruiting. So I was just looking up something while you were talking about Jim Chaney. Um, Cause like he surely has recruited some and I looked and I found his top commitments credited on 24 seven. And it's a pretty solid list. Actually uh, DeAndre Swift, Cade Mays, Jacob Eason, Bryce Brown, and Justin Fields. So when he does actually try to recruit, he can bring in some decent So my uh, question with guys. that, though, is the credit that he's being given. Um, I, I have a hard time believing that he was the main recruiter for those guys. You think about right. Kirby Smart and some of the other recruiters that are at Georgia. I, I'm having a you hard know, time I mean, believing that Jim He Taylor. was involved in some way. Involved, but to what degree? That. I mean, we don't right. really know for sure at all, but we know he was at least involved. So, but uh, that's just what I pulled up on. But um, transfer Jalen Hurts heading to Oklahoma. I mentioned that as one of his potential destinations last week. Um, they have a uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? A uh, opening. Uh, opening, but no, they have a vacancy. Uh, consistent pattern i guess of bringing in transfer quarterbacks with baker mayfield and then kyler murray and now jalen hurts and if you want someone to coach you up um lincoln riley is the man to do it um he's he turned mayfield and murray into heisman winning quarterbacks 
I think Hertz is a great fit in Oklahoma. I would agree. I mean, I've got the stats here. You look at, you know, Baker throwing 40 touchdowns his last two years at Oklahoma under Lincoln Riley, and then Kyler throwing 40 last year, both of them under nine interceptions, really high passer ratings. Mm -hmm. I don't know if Hertz is going to put up those same kind of numbers. I don't know if his arm is that talented. Yeah, Um, I would agree with that. But I think he's going to – I think Lincoln Riley can adjust the offense slightly to what Hertz does does best. Um, He's one of the brightest offensive minds in college football, so I fully expect him to be able to do that. With that being said, though, I don't know if Hertz can kind of do the same. I don't know if Hertz can get him to the playoff again. Is what I'm trying to say. I know yeah. their 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 uh, schedule is not tough, but Texas is getting better, and I feel like Texas is right there. Um, we'll see what West Virginia looks like this year, minus Will Greer and a new head coach. Uh, but I I don't know if a lot of people are saying Hurts to Oklahoma, you know, that immediately should put them in the playoff. I, I yeah, you know, with how the season plays out, I don't know if I'm ready to buy into that completely because he's. I'm be honest, he's not as good as Baker or Kyler. He's no, not, he's not. He's not yeah. as talented arm wise. His arm's not as talented. Now, athletically, he is probably he's as good as Baker. He's maybe close to Kyler. Yeah. But he's just not as good a quarterback. His arm isn't as good as their arm. Right. And that's that's what you rely on. When you're throwing the ball, you know, 40 times a game, you've got to be able to throw it good or well. I mean, the yeah. I mean, look look at their stats. Baker had a 70 almost 71% completion rating his last two years. And yeah. then Kyler at 69, nice last year. Um, I just don't know if Hertz can can put up those kind of numbers. I I thought I'd heard that his career completion percentage was at 60, which is, you know, that's 10% lower than what both of these guys have done yeah. um, with Lincoln Riley. I think I think Riley's going to make him better. I think he's going to put up better numbers than he did at Alabama for obvious reasons. You know, the offense is going to be more suited to him. Yeah. He's going to have more opportunities. The defenses aren't going to be as good. But as far as making Oklahoma better, I think this – if you were to rank these three, he's easily last, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, so, I don't know how much m- – they had to do it because they needed a quarterback, but I don't think it makes them better than they were. Yeah, I would agree with that. We have a topic that we don't discuss very often on here, and we got a topic that uh near and dear to both of our hearts, but a little bit of a rocious rant coming up right here. Yep, yep. This is your captain speaking. We have arrived at Rochelle's rant. It's time, Ben. It is finally time. Folks, look, I love I love watching college basketball. And I love watching women's college basketball for a re- a different reason than I like men's. Men's is high flying, energetic, and all this stuff. Women's is more articulate. You have to you have to coach more in women's game, I feel like. Um, it's not purely relying on athleticism. It's more understanding the game and understanding how the game works. Mm-hmm. So, obviously, a team that is very near and dear to my heart is our Tennessee Lady Volunteers. And, Ben, for the first time since 1970, they have lost four straight games. Yep. 
Do you know how old I was in 1970? Negative 24. Okay. That is, what is that? 39, 49 years. I can't even do math. I'm so frustrated right now. Holly Warlick has got to go. She needs to be fired today. Send her the pink slip and get her out of here. All right. So since 2015, 2016 season, that was going into her fourth season as the head coach. So three years of piggybacking off the greatest women's coach of all time in Pat Summit. She piggybacked off of her to get to two Elite Eights and one Sweet 16. Since those three years, her last three, including this one here, she hasn't finished better than tied for fourth in the SEC. The SEC is not some super conference when it comes to women's college basketball. Now, granted, there have been spurts of some teams rising up, like South Carolina. Georgia's had a few good seasons, and other teams Kentucky. with Kentucky. Right. But tying for fourth in the SEC as the Lady Vols should not happen. They no. should easily be a top two team every single year with the talent that they get. She made the Elite Eight once, which was the very next year. So in 20, uh, I believe it was 2016. And then since then, actually, I'm going to have to check that one later. Don't quote me on that one just yet. But since then, the two years and past, so last year and the year before, she was bounced out in the second round. You know what, folks? The Lady Vols, before that, those two seasons, had made it to the Sweet 16 for 35 straight years. And the way the women's college basketball tournament works is – if you're a certain seed, I can't remember the number or whatever, but if you're the high seed, you host the first two rounds. Mm -hmm. so they had never lost in Knoxville in the NCAA tournament until two years ago, and they've now done it two years in a row. Yeah. Okay? Let's talk about kind of why this is going wrong. Is she not getting good players? No. She is still continuing to recruit. And when I say she, I'm talking about the program because it ain't her that's recruiting them because she's not a good coach. It is the brand of the Lady Vols that go out to Oregon and get, you know, Mercedes Russell and can go and get Diamond DeShields from North Carolina and can go and get other players from Connecticut and Illinois and New York and can go all across the country because this brand is so popular in this sport. So you talk about women's college basketball, Tennessee, as far as brand goes, the Lady Vols brand is easily just a brand, a top two brand in this, in this, in this country. Mm -hmm. Okay. And some could make an argument that Notre Dame could be up there, but it's UConn and Lady Vols. And that's it as far as women's college basketball brand goes. And it is continuing to take a hit each and every game that they lose under her. They're consistently inconsistent they started out 12 and 0 a few years ago and then proceeded to go 10 and 8 down the stretch okay we talked about them losing in the tournament to teams that they shouldn't lose to because they're the higher seed now granted they have never lost in the first round they'll be lucky to get into the first round this year at the rate they're going they're one and four in the conference they've lost four not only have they lost four straight games they've lost four straight conference games Games that matter, games that you shouldn't have to get up for, like games that should automatically you should be ready for. Um, it's just frustrating. And we've been – I know you've been on it. I've been on it for a little while now, but I've kind of laid off of it a bit because I wanted to give her another chance. But it's time. I'm sick yeah. of her. You know, it's nothing against her personally. Like I don't – I never want to bring that into it. But she's terrible. 
They just don't play with any confidence. They don't play with any defensive intensity, which is Pat Summit. God rest her soul. If she was alive today and saw what was happening, she would do everything in her power to get into that coaching seat and take over because they don't play defense at all. There's no grit to them. And they're totally just relaxed. So my rant today is fire Pat or fire Holly Warlick. I know Fulmer is going to be very hesitant to do it because he's very close to her. And they just gave her a three-year extension in the offseason. But it's got to happen soon because we saw it with football. If we continue to let this brand take a hit, take a hit, take a hit, the brand is no longer there. And it takes decades for it to grow. You just see how long it took for Summit to build it to what it is now. It will take just as long if we continue to let Holly Warlick take control and destroy the Lady Vols basketball program. Yep, yep, yep. Um, I agree with you 100%, man. Yeah, so I looked up that 2015-2016, uh, they made the Elite Eight, um, and that was actually her worst year record. Like They went 22-14, and 8-8 eight and eight in conference that year finished tied right. seventh and then made it to the elite eight. But yeah, uh, you nailed it. I've, I've said it for a f- couple years now that they need to fire, fire Holly. Um, yeah. Her and Fulmer are big buds, but yeah, I, I used to enjoy watching women's basketball. My grandparents, my dad from Knoxville grandparents used to have season tickets and go all the time. I went to games with them. I've seen Candace Parker dunk it in person. It was awesome. But now I, I, I watched a little bit last night against Alabama, and then I, I cut it off. I mean, they got slaughtered. It It is time. When you think about the University of Tennessee, one of the first things that pops in your head is the Lady Falls, and they, the path that they're going down under Holly Warlick is not – And, like, no other not, schools can really say that other than UConn. Yeah. Like, no, brand I mean, has – important that you hot you strike while it's hot because if you fire her now there's probably three coaches in all of college basketball that will probably tell you no yeah right so you can go get whoever you want because you're you're immediately going to a place where it recruits itself we talked about that with football but as far as women's basketball this place recruits itself like crazy because Tennessee is one of the 10 teams in the country that can consistently get butts in the seats to watch women's basketball. That's a huge problem with not just women's college basketball, but with WNBA is getting people to actually come to the games and watch them. And you have no issue with that at Tennessee. And if this continues the way it's going, you're going to start having issues with that. And it's like I said, it's going to be even harder for women's basketball to rebuild that brand that it once had. So mm-hmm. I, I know you guys are probably going to make fun of me because I'm so upset, but I used to, I, and I, I still enjoy watching them, but I love watching the lady Vols just because it's a different way to watch basketball. You yeah. know, it's a different type of game and it just is. And so that's why it's so frustrating to me when we're continuing to let this happen. And yep. she, she should have been fired two years ago. Um, so the, the tournament run that we were talking about in 15, 16, where they made the elite eight, I'm trying yeah, to yeah. find the bracket for it, but I can't, but I'm almost positive. That's the same year that Louisville beat Brittany Griner and Baylor, um, early on in the round and ended up beat Louisville ended up beating Tennessee. So it would have been an easier path for Tennessee to get to the final four, mm-hmm. um, and not having to play Brittany Griner, but yeah. you know, it's just, it's out of our hands. I, I want her gone. I think she should have been gone a while ago. I think, I'm, if it continues down well, this path, she's going to be gone at some point. Like, we could see it coming. Like, we can see it building. And now it's gotten to this – it's come to a head. And I 
I think Fulmer's hands are tied as close as they may be. I think he has, I mean, I think he has to do it. Now. And I think, I think he will. Yeah. I, I don't know if it's going to happen in season unless something, uh, unless they just continue to lose. I don't think it will happen. in yeah, season. Not on either. But I think once this season plays out and he understands that football is kind of taking control of itself, Pruitt's kind of got that under control. Then he can start to focus more on this, yeah, um, and can can do what needs to be done there, and it has Ooh. to be done. So, uh, coach, we don't have to worry about ever is the old Reverend Rick Barnes because he has the boys playing the best basketball in the country, beating down Arkansas, going into Florida, chomping all over them. Um, that was a great win. Um, Tennessee is going to get everybody's best shot. They have the target on their back in the SEC, one of the best teams in the country. They're going to get everybody's best shot. They took Florida's best shot, hitting an ungodly amount of threes, and pulled out a dub. Arkansas just got creamed. I know Barnes was not happy with the second half. They got outplayed by Arkansas. Shoot them out in the locker room after the Arkansas game that they won by like 40 points. That's why I love Rick Barnes. Never settles for anything but perfection. Um, this team is uh, its honestly amazing from where they were to where they are now. Just a bunch of dudes out there balling. They have so many ways to beat you. Jordan Bout, we talked about um, our X-Factor picks, and you picked Bone, and he's had an amazing season. And Jordan Bowden was mine. I believed in this guy all along, and he finally, finally, finally has found confidence in his game and is just absolutely balling. So in the SEC games, he's gone for 20, 20, 17, and 19. And against Arkansas, him and Lamonte combined for 40 points. Uh, mm. They have so many ways to beat you. If you shut down Grant, Admiral's going to beat you. If you shut down Admiral, Bone's going to beat you. If you shut him down, Bowden and Turner are going to beat you. And it, it's just, oh, it's it's so much fun. I'm going Wednesday to watch him play at Vandy. Can't wait for it. Uh, how are you feeling about our Vols right now? I would venture to say that the win against Florida, I don't think it's their best, but it's, it's probably their second best win this season. Um, and the reason I say that is because – they met adversity. Florida hit, I believe, nine threes in, in the, the first, first half. half. Yep. Yep. Uh, so it's and they just continue to fall in that last minute or so of that game. Oh man, that's fun basketball to watch right there. Yep. Um, and I know a lot of people were concerned about the chomp and was it classless? I don't care. I don't think it was classless. Care because. You know, you, t you hear Admiral. Look, if you, you talk to any of these guys, they are top-notch dudes, especially mm -hmm. Admiral and Grant, like guys who have done things for the community. Um, but they're top-notch dudes. They're not going to instigate something unless something caused it to happen. Um, so, I mean, Admiral didn't go into specifics, but he said there were some pretty rough things being yelled at him. So, you know what? They wanted to chomp at him. I'm fine with that. John Kelly did the same thing whenever he scored a touchdown. Uh, in the swamp a few years ago. I'm fine with that. Yeah, so no why is it okay for grown men to yell things at players, but then when they do something like chomp, we suddenly, they have to have uh, most class in the world. Because like, it comes so back stupid. to this, this pseudo 
mythological idea that athletes are supposed to be gods when it comes to class. Hello, have you met any athlete ever? Yeah. Like, <laughs> come on now. They're they're just they they have just as much pride and sometimes even more than an old man standing in the bleachers has. Yep. You're gonna question his ability or anything about him. Well, don't be afraid and don't be offended when he shows you up. And that's right. what it's all about because the same guys that are mad about this are the same guys that stand in the stands and yell, who knows what at players at wherever game they go to. So it's just an insecurity of who they are as a person. So mm -hmm. they can go on. Um, so as far as Arkansas, no test whatsoever. Yeah. I mean <laughs> – up by nearly 30. I was sick this night, so I didn't get to watch much of the second half, but they were up by 30 is what I read at some point. Yeah. Um, they kind of let off the steam a little bit. That doesn't concern me at all. That's going to happen. I'd much rather it happen when you're up 30 than when you're down a few points. So right. I'm fine with that. Um, they're just, they have so many ways to beat you. Yep. I mean, you, you talk about when Kobe Bryant was in his prime and the, the Lil Wayne song came out about him, you know, um, and then the, the part where Dwight Howard is interviewed and he says, what's the best thing about Kobe Bryant? And it's like, cause you never know what you're going to get. Well, with the Tennessee Vols, you never know what you're going to get. You might get a little Bowden one night. You might get a little Turner that same night. You might get a little bone one night. Grant may go off. Now he hasn't had a, a much success lately, but because of him getting all the attention, that's opened it up for other guys to kind of yeah. take over like Bowden, like Admiral. Like Bone, like Kyle, who we hadn't even brought up yet, yeah. had you know a heck of a season as well, snagging um, rebounds like crazy, right? And Folky is having a great had role seventeen like against role Arkansas. Yeah, he he had a great. He's having a great role playing season, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just it's fun. It's it, it, we got a long way to go. Mm -hmm. Um, we'll talk about that kind of with our question. We'll all kind of save that towards the end when we start talking about you know games coming up. Um, but right now. In bracketology, I know it's really far away to go, but uh, Lenardi finally has put us as a one seed. He had given us a slide of hand there for a little bit, uh, giving Michigan State a little more love than they deserve. But he's got us as a one seed right now in the West, which would be very unfortunate for you and I, um, considering I know we talked about potentially going to the NCAA tournament. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, he's got them in the, in the West right now um, in Anaheim. So – with you know, with the likes of Gonzaga and North Carolina, but I mean, we'll see. I don't, I don't think there's a team in the country that Tennessee can't beat. I think there are teams that they can beat easy, and teams that it's going to be a struggle the whole way with. But I yeah. do not think there's one team out there that Tennessee just cannot play with. And and the thing about Tennessee is they're ne they're never going to beat themselves. The way Rick Barnes has coached this team, and they're so fundamentally sound, they're never right. going to beat themselves, and he will never let them beat themselves. Right. Um, we we have and, it queued up. Um, well, well, I'll just I'll just mention it whenever we get to talking about it. But yeah, he he's never going to allow that to happen. Right. Um, real quick on that too is like a lot of people when Barnes took this job saw it kind of like as an early retirement, I guess. Yeah. Because you know, yeah. he's from North Carolina. They thought, you know, he's going to coach here for a few years and then right off into the sunset. Yeah. No. He, I would venture to say he's he has worked as hard here as he has worked anywhere else. Absolutely. And it's definitely showing, and it's a lot of fun to watch. Um, also, real quick, right now, the way things look, we've got Wisconsin hosting Michigan Saturday. 
Um, then Duke is hosting Virginia. So that's your one, two, or that's your one, two, and four seeds all playing right there. Yeah. If Wisconsin can pull the upset and Duke beats Virginia. I think the Vols will be sitting back at number one. And that's going to put them as number one seed going or a number one overall going to Vanderbilt. Last time that happened oh. was the last time the Vols were ever number one and it didn't end well. So let's. I was at that game too. <laughs> uh, so if the Vols end up being number one in the AP poll, you will now have to sell your ticket to the Vanderbilt. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so, yeah, kind of looking forward. You know, we've got Alabama, of course. What is for us tomorrow? What will be for you guys today um, on Saturday? Um, Alabama team that, man, if you don't talk about a team that's up and down so yep. much, yep. goodness. Like, they've got talented players. We talk about some of their young guards they got. But, you know, they lose the heartbreaker to A&M. I don't know if you saw the shot, man, but, wow, yeah, what an incredible – Incredible yeah, yeah. buzzer beater from Texas A&M to beat Alabama last week, um, but I, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's gonna take. I mean, like you said, they're the number one team in the SEC right now. We we mentioned that plenty of times. Mm-hmm. They're gonna get the best shot from every team. Every Johnson is gonna have this team ready to play. They're gonna be physical. That's. I mean, I know they want to avenge the loss that they had at Alabama last year, which they mm-hmm. get pushed around. Um, not, not, not some of the same players. Last year, no more Colin Sexton. Play There's no more that, Colin Sexton anymore, which is right. God. And that's what got Tennessee last year was the physical guard play of Alabama. Yeah. Um, I think Tennessee will be able to – I think they're going to be able to handle Alabama pretty mightily Saturday. Um, I don't think it's going to be, you know, another 30-point lead at some point. I think they'll probably win by double digits. But – uh. When you look at the overall view of this league, I'm looking at teams that can beat Tennessee, and it's hard to find. The way they're playing right now and the way the rest of the league is playing, you know, maybe if Kentucky's on, maybe if Auburn's hitting threes. Mm-hmm. Other than that, LSU probably is going to give us a good run for the money. But, man, it's, it's going to be uh, – it's going to be difficult to find a loss for Tennessee in the near future. No, 100%. Certainly, they keep playing this way. 100%. So you, you talked about the Alabama game. I'll go ahead and talk about the Vandy game a little bit since that will be the next game on the on the list um, before we record again. Vandy has fallen on tr- the hardest times they've ever fallen on. They've never started out 0-4 uh, in the SEC ever. Um, I was actually watching – they got Mississippi State tomorrow, and a little bit before this, I was actually watching uh, a highlight from a few years ago when they played Mississippi State at Memorial Gymnasium, and Shane Foster scored 42 points, Mm. nine threes in the second half and overtime, including the game winner to win 86-85. And I used to actually enjoy watching Vandy when they had guys like Foster and Derek Byers and John now Jenkins, Jenkins and Brett uh, Taylor. Taylor and Bill, they used to be a good team and a lot of fun to watch and, and contenders in the SEC. And they have absolutely hit the skids. And it's because Bryce Drew hitched his whole wagon to Darius Garland. And when Darius Garland got hurt, he didn't change anything. He didn't change any type. Of, he, he's not a he's not a very good coach. He's a heck of a recruiter. But but he didn't adapt at all when Garland got hurt and 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 you saw the total meltdown that happened against South Carolina the other night and, and my mom texted me 
she's a Vandy fan. My mom texts me and she said, what would Rick Barnes have done to Sabian Lee? And I said, his head would have been on a pike outside <laughs> the locker room after the moronic technical foul that he got that essentially cost Vanderbilt the game. Yeah. I don't know what's going on down there, but it's not good. It's not good at all. And I fully expect the Vols to go in there and swamp Bandy. It's going to be majority orange in Memorial Gymnasium. Right. And I expect probably a beat down. Right. I mean, and talking about Bryce Drew a little bit and how South Carolina was able to maintain composure versus yep. Vanderbilt, it comes back to coaching. And I've said it time and time again. There are different types of successful coaches in college basketball. Well, there could be three, and the third one be a mixture of the two. But two, there's really just two. There's a good recruiter who can get really good players that can cover up a lot of his own flaws. Mm-hmm. A really good coach that's good with X's and O's that takes players that other people overlook and makes them better. Now, Bryce Drew is a good recruiter, but he is not a great recruiter to the fact that he can cover up his flaws as a coach. Yep. Like you said, Darius Garland. If they have Darius Garland, they are a completely different team. Yep. Saban Lee, Saban Lee is a really good point guard, but he cannot shoot like Darius Garland, and he is not a playmaker like Darius Garland. He is just as athletic from what I've seen him play. He's just as athletic as Darius Garland but the other pieces aren't there. Um, so then you take a step down there. Um, so then you look at South Carolina, an excellent coach in Frank Martin. Yeah, He's the, he's the guy who covers up his recruiting inabilities with how yeah. good of a coach he is. Now, you asked me this four games ago, and maybe I, he's still a good coach, but he's having a rough year. Because they start South Carolina started off the year five and seven. Yeah. And that was including a loss to Stony Brook. Providence, who's an okay team. Wofford and Wyoming, but here they are tied for first in the SEC with at four and zero. It just goes it goes back to coaching. Um, like I said, two different types, and unless Bryce Drew can up his recruiting a little bit, now he's getting Scotty Pippen's son, I believe yeah. next year. Yeah, next year he's only a three star though. I mean, it's not. Yeah, but the the pedigree's there. Yeah, I feel like. The three star is a little. I haven't seen a play, but I, I just feel I like it's a little under undervalued. Um, but then you know you're obviously going to lose Darius Garland. He's going to have to continue to consistently recruit at a high level for him to stay at Vanderbilt. Um, and that's that's just that's just how it is. You know you you know that when you hire a guy, you you have to obviously you have to know how good of a coach he is um, and what kind of coach he is. And obviously Vanderbilt felt like going this direction with a guy who could who could out recruit a lot of people. And you know, let's be honest, Vanderbilt is not a tough school to recruit to as far as basketball is concerned. No, not at they all. They do have some pageantry there. You know, Memorial Gymnasium when Vanderbilt's good is one of the toughest places to play in the SEC. Absolutely. Um, that's where top teams that are ranked go to die. You talk about Florida when they were in their heyday. Mm-hmm. We talked about Tennessee is number one. Yeah, those are just two examples there. Um, but yeah, going forward, zero four in the SEC, and it does not get any easier for no. Vanderbilt going forward. No, it forward. does not. I sent this to my. Do you have it? Their upcoming schedule. 
I can pull it up. It's, I, I have it. I sent it to okay. my mom because we were talking about it. So Vandy's 0-4 in SEC play for the first time in program history. And next up, they got Mississippi State Saturday, number 23 State, number 3 Tennessee, potentially number 1 Tennessee Wednesday. Then they have Oklahoma, who's ranked 19th right now. And then they have Kentucky. So rough next four games for Vandy fans. They're, they're looking at a, a – devastating stretch of basketball right here and that seat that seat for bryce drew is only going to get hotter yeah Um, i'm not saying he's going to be fired after this year but i see a scenario where it could happen oh yeah i do too so it's you know and and that's not the mindset i mean coming into this season i thought they were going to be a top six team and potentially contend for you know a a two-round bye in the sec tournament just because the talent they had you know they got shitu on their team the Mm -hmm. four-star guy who can really do it all yeah you saw what yeah he's a good player naismith kind of came out of nowhere he scored a lot in the first half kind of tailed off there in the second um, but I mean, you've, you've seen some other guys that are, de- they're definitely talented. Saban Lee would be an excellent two guard or somebody to come off the bench, but with the injury to Garland, it just it really changes the whole he, thing. He hitched his whole wagon to Garland and it right. just went off the rails after that. Right. Because of the type of coach that he is, you know, he gets the recruits and it just, it just, I mean, it's, it's poor luck. It really is. Um, cause Garland would cover up a lot of these flaws. I don't know if he makes them win all four of these games. Um, but I feel like they definitely win the South Carolina game with him. Definitely um, helps. They, they compete a, lot. a little bit better with Kentucky. Um, so yeah, you know we spent a lot of time talking about Vanderbilt, being Tennessee guys, but, but that's their upcoming opponent. It's in yeah Tennessee. So, um, but yeah, as far as as we had a question uh, from from Scott, wanted to know if the Vols will win out in SEC play. Uh, that, that's a tough call. Uh, I'm not ready to say that yet, but if there's any team in the SEC that's going to do it, it's going to be Tennessee and the way they're playing right now. I've talked about that last stretch of the year where they play, uh, Kentucky, Mississippi State and Auburn. That's a tough mm-hmm. one. Uh, going to Ole Miss is going to be tough. I mean, playing Kentucky twice a year, that's. I think they're they'll lose a game in there somewhere just because the way basketball is like anything can almost in more than any other sport any team can beat anybody on any given day and you right. could be cold and the other team could be scalding hot foul trouble who knows what could happen um, so I, I'm not ready to say they're gonna win out but could it happen sure do I think it will happen probably not. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think it's possible, but not likely. I mean, if you're asking me for like a percentage chance, I'd probably give them 25% chance it's going to happen. Yeah. Um, for all the reasons you said, like, we don't think that Tennessee will beat themselves, but there can be a night where the shots just aren't falling. You know, yeah. um, Tennessee doesn't shoot the three extremely well. They're more of a they're inside out. defense to create. Yeah. And use their defense to create points. Yeah. Um, and to Which, shut other teams down. That but was I mean, the thing uh, against Florida. I mean, if Florida hits nine more threes in the second half the other night, and if Bowden doesn't go off for twelve straight points, they probably lose that game. Right. And that's just things you cannot plan for. Yeah. For a team shoot shooting that hot, you know, like you said, and it was almost Kentucky, really, it was almost really gimmicky. 
too, because that's all Florida was shooting was threes. Right. It's like 23s or something. It felt like a fluke. It really did. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, I mean, you talk about going to Kentucky, going to Ole Miss, who is definitely much improved this year, going to Auburn. I think we're going to slip up somewhere along the way there. I do do think there's a great chance we go undefeated at home, which would be awesome um, and really great for this program and continue to build this hype that they've got. Um, But I think you're probably going to lose one on the road there. Um, You know, look, let's be honest. If Vanderbilt plays to their maximum potential and Tennessee just has an absolute terrible game, they could lose that game. Um, And that's like what you said, you know. I don't know if any team can beat any team in this league. I don't know if I would put some of the bottom dwellers up there to beat. I know Vandy's at the bottom as far as record is concerned. Not talent. They're definitely not. Yeah. Um, but, and, you know, as far as teams that are undefeated, you've just got LSU, South Carolina, and Tennessee. If I'm picking one of the three, I'm taking Tennessee all day to go undefeated. Oh, yeah. For I don't sure. think what – I think what LSU is doing is sustainable. I just don't think – I think they're going to definitely run into some issues on the road. Um, yeah. we, I know we talked a little bit about Ole Miss last week. I kind of want to touch on this real quick. Um, so, they did play LSU um, and – not handled, but the it felt like they weren't ever – I don't know. The second half of that game, it felt like LSU kind of took over. LSU is super talented. Yeah. Will Wade is an up-and-coming superstar in coaching. As long as he can keep his name out of some of these recruiting violations that have kind of been thrown out there, I think he's going to be one of the next big-time coaches in the SEC. Um, so, Ole Miss was ranked 18th going into that game, I think – you're going to see them fall out and LSU pop right into the top 25. Yeah. Um, so, it, I don't know if that loss is going to hurt Ole Miss as far as tournament chances is concerned because I think they still got a lot of games left that would be quality wins because I think if Ole Miss can continue to play at this level, I think both of those teams get into the tournament at the end of the yeah, year. I agree with I that. think LSU is a sleeping giant in the SEC. I, I would venture to say that they're going to get – they're going to end up – it's going to be Auburn, Tennessee, Kentucky, and LSU for the top four seeds in the tournament is what I would go with right now. So, yeah. I really like what they got. Yeah, they're pretty solid. We'll see uh, how the week goes for the Vols. Hopefully hold on to that number one spot. But that is pretty much – I think we hit everybody's questions. So, yeah. if we didn't, apologies to you. Um, uh, so, on to our last little segment. It's your turn for Out the Door this week. What you got for me? All right, so I was uh, before we got on here, I was watching some Netflix, and I love yeah. documentary shows on there, all different Ooh. kinds of shows. I, I like documentaries, um, but there's one on there in particular. It's called Blue Planet. Um, I really like like the documentaries, whether like in Africa or under the water, or and my favorites are the ones that are up in like the snowy plains, like the snowy mountains or whatever. Um, yeah. So. My question for you, and then I'll give you after, mine after you answer. Documentary? No, it's not going to be favorite documentary. Okay, good. Um, I don't watch very many talks. All right. If you could pick one place, and this is kind of sci-fi, kind of really out there. If you could pick one place that you could immediately teleport to and from, like one place in the world that you could go to anytime you wanted to, where would it be? It doesn't have to be a place that you've been before. So, 
I could just teleport every like all the time. I could just go like to if, you, if you're sitting at home and you're not doing anything for the day and you wanted to go hang out at this place, you just go there and you can just hang out. All right. You do you have an answer? Yeah, I do. All right. You give your answer and then I'll give mine because I got to think about it. All right. I've never been here, but I, I want to go here. I'm going to go here someday. Um, if I ever get over my fear of flying. I want to go to Bora Bora and stay in a bungalow. Man, that place looks incredible. I don't know if you know where Bora Bora is. Um, it's in the French it's, Polynesian Islands, which is okay. basically in the middle of the ocean where nothing is ever like even close to you. So that's why I haven't been and probably won't go for a very long time. Um, because it's it's something like a 20-hour travel time to get there. Um, but it is beautiful. I mean, it's, it's not, it's barely touched by man. Um, the water is as clear as could be the bungalows that you can stay in are like above, above the water. And so in your living room, a lot of these places they'll have like see-through living room floors where you can just see straight into the water and see fish swimming around. And then you just hop off your back little deck or whatever, and you're in the water. Um, it's just an absolute beautiful place that I really want to go to one day. So, and the reason I don't want to teleport there, maybe some other places would be good choices too, but the reason I want to teleport there mainly is so I didn't have to fly there. Cause that's really the main concern I have with it. Cause and you're a big baby. It's extremely expensive to go there too. So well, I'm sure. Why don't you take your honeymoon there? Uh, no, uh, no too much money. Hmm. All right. So I guess if I was going to go somewhere like, uh, I really want to go to like I've never been. I really want to go to Canada. Uh, I like lame. Like, I, I I'm not a big beach guy. Like I like the beach only for like a couple days because I, I like I like the water and stuff. But I don't really know what's in that water, and I hate the sand. I hate the sand. Sand sucks. It gets all over you and everywhere and places I don't want it to be. So I'm not a big fan of the beach, but I like the mountains. I like uh being able to like go hiking. I would, so I don't really have a particular place in Canada, but like, I would love to go up there um, and just, just see, you know, the national parks and the wildlife and go hiking, skiing, uh, stay in like a lodge somewhere. I think that would be a ton of fun. Um, so yeah, uh, appreciate you guys listening in. Um, don't forget. I'm going to post on Facebook next week. If you want in, uh, let us know. Make a Gmail account. We're gonna get some guys on the show, so you won't just listen to or gals. We are not. We are inclusive on this show, um, guys, gals, whatever you may be. We want you on. We want to hear from you. Um, uh, that's pretty much it. I don't have anything else. You got anything else? Uh, no. I think it right. covers all the bases. Didn't Good we? deal. Hopefully have this up tomorrow morning. You can listen to it before the Vols smack around Alabama. Uh, this is Infield Fly logging off. Peace out, guys.